Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello and welcome to the Talent Alone podcast, the podcast that's always brought to you by a wheel, especially this week when we actually use the wheel. I am your host, Adam, and with me as always, my co-host, co-founder, co-writer, uh, co... ran out of co's there. Uh, Mike, Mike, how are you doing today? I am doing just fantastic. It's a beautiful Sunday here in July. Um, I really thought you were going to say here in Buffalo. There too. Oh, it's always beautiful Sundays in Buffalo. Like, you know. Not after the division round, usually. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, so I did have a question I wanted to ask you, and it is not sports related, so I hope you don't mind. Yes, sir. Let's hear it. Uh, so I got on Twitter yesterday, as I usually do, and something like creeped into my Twitter bubble. And it, to some, wrap it up real quick, it was basically uh, a voice actress had got upset about an AI video that someone had made. Um, that was like one of her characters that she voices singing like a song. And I don't know like all the details of what was tweeted, but apparently she got like a whole bunch of shit on Twitter and she ended up like deactivating her Twitter account. Um, so that got me thinking about AI because I know it's like a hot button issue. And then obviously the way my brain takes things in weird directions. My question is, of the big tech companies, which one do you think is most likely to enslave the human race in the future? Nest. The, like, thermostat company? <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine it. If everyone has a thermostat in their house by Nest, they can hold us prisoner. They could say, like, either do what we want or we'll set your house temperature to 200 degrees. That's true. See, I was thinking Google. I felt like they're the biggest threat. I would, and like, if I was, if I was answer, if it was a shoot answer, I would say probably Meta. They nice. already yeah. have the whole o- older demographic. Now they're breaking into like other social spaces. They have a VR headset. They're like we're a few years away from being full Ready Player One with it. I, I see. Because of that, I feel like Meta is the perfect like, uh, like corporate shield for Google to do their evil underworkings in the dark. But Google and Meta aren't related. Two different companies, brother. Right, but while everybody's looking at Meta, because they figured they'd be the ones oh, trying to enslave the human race, meanwhile, Google's over decoy. here. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like when you get behind a car that's going like way above the speed limit, so you can also speed, but he'll get hit first. Yeah, Definitely. and uh, <clears throat> also, like, I feel like Google has, an, has laid low long enough and has like enough social clout to where it'd be one of those things where we... Are, we like look back and we're like, oh fuck, Google's actually owned us for three years and nobody noticed. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good call. And also, they have access to all the porn. So much porn. They can take the porn away from us, making us just you know <laughs> slaves, basically. Whatever <laughs> yeah. they want. I guess we could talk sports now. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into our normal gimmick here, um, which if it is your first time watching, I guess listening. If you're watching, then I hope it's your first time watching. The basic gimmick here is that we break the show into ideally three segments. If we have anything to talk about on the week that is contemporary, those will take up a segment. But any time that we want to get into whatever, we spin a wheel with a bunch of pre-discussed topics on it, and we talk about a topic. Now, each of these segments are broken down into 20-minute sections that give us just enough time to cover everything, but not so much time that we can have hot takes that sound dumb in two months. But before we get into that, I did want to hit a couple of quick NBA notes that popped up. Uh, Greg Popovich signed a five-year, $80 million contract 
which means he is getting paid only slightly less than Kyle Kuzma. Mike, you got any thoughts on uh, Greg Popovich signing on for another five years with uh, Wimbayama coming into the league? He's the general manager in San Antonio, right? I'm sure he is, or at least he has some kind of oversight like president there. of basketball operations, something like that. Yeah, he's definitely the coach. I can tell you that. Oh, he's the coach still? Yeah, brother. I don't, I don't know why I thought he retired. He's the head coach and president of basketball operations. Oh, okay. I don't know how I got that confused. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Hey, he's born in didn't uh, you just East say Chicago. So, didn't you just say so we don't say stuff that makes us look like idiots? Don't worry, I can edit that out. I can edit that out. I probably won't, but I can. You probably won't, no. Um, so he's the highest paid coach in the league now? I have no idea, but have no idea. Another, another five years of pop. I would assume that the highest paid coach in the league is whoever the Suns just signed on Vogel. Because it's Ishbia, and Ishbia is pouring money. That, or like maybe Ty Lue, because that's another owner that just pours money. Steve Kerr is another argument to be made. He probably should be the highest paid coach if he isn't. Steve Kerr? Yeah. I think Pop should probably be. One of those two. Um, so that's good. I mean, yeah, so he'll have, like, I imagine that's probably the last contract Pop will sign. He's getting up there. I don't mean, like, he's going to die. I mean, like, he might eventually decide to step off the uh, the, the bench and, and go do something else. Um, you think that he competes for a championship during this contract? Five years, but he ju- they just drafted the, as everyone's saying, the most can't-miss prospect since LeBron. That being said, he did only put up nine points in his summer league debut. So, according to a quick Google search, uh, Monty Williams has a six-year, $78.5 million contract with Detroit. Well, what? So, so Pops, <laughs> Pops just beat it then, yeah. So, Pops That's, is now the highest paid coach. I, I, I totally forgot about Monty Williams getting that massive contract from Detroit until you said that. But, yeah, yeah they, they, like, uh, they were apparently bidding against no one, but they really wanted to get Monty Williams in the building, so they paid him mm-hmm. an absurd amount of money. You know what I'm really hoping for? That'd be really goofy and a lot of fun is if <clears throat> like Cade Cunningham comes back and isn't quite right and Detroit panics and moves like a couple of pieces, including Cade to Phoenix for DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Like if Ayton just can't escape Monty Williams. <laughs> did, did they have beef? Yeah. Uh, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ayton does not like how Williams has treated him. And uh, Williams does not like that DeAndre Ayton finally got paid and decided to stop playing basketball. Yeah. Uh, the other quick thing I wanted to hit here was that they announced the in-season tournament. It's going to take place in late November into early December. It consists of all 30 teams. There is a group stage and then a knockout stage like the World Cup because that seems to be what Adam Silver is obsessed with. And uh, the prizes are that there is a purse that players get that increases the further they make it into the knockout stage. Mike, I simply do not care about this. Well, I mean, it, it's a cool idea, and also Bill Simmons is probably happy because I feel like he talked about this being a possible thing on his podcast for like what felt like years. Um, what do you know? What like the purses that they'd be winning? How much did you say? I, they, I it hasn't really been announced, but does it matter? Does that make you care about it? Well, my thing isn't about me caring about it. Is it like is it even going to be basketball? Like that finals game they said doesn't go towards regular season record yeah so, so it's ex- they play extra games once it gets to the knockout stage yeah so it's like if those games aren't for like a certain amount of money that the players really feel like getting up for then you're just going to get like a bunch of all-star game performances which is exactly what i expect because 
if the players are just getting extra money, do we need to remind people that the superstars are multi-multi-millionaires? Like, the people that are going to be trying in those games are going to be the bench players. And do you really want to watch a mid-season tournament just between bench players? Actually, I like that idea. I think we should do that instead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's going to be like... Uh... Who's that random guy in the heat? Of, oh, yeah, like Jovic is just going to be popping off in the finals of this tournament yeah. for like 40 yeah, and 20. It's going to be like the guys that really didn't get paid a ton, like Gabe Vincent or Patty Mills, who are going to be trying real hard because that's a big payday for them. But, like, you think Durant is going to be working his ass off in this tournament? Like, I know Durant loves basketball. Okay, here's a better question. Do you think that this tournament – gets Kawhi to play all games he's healthy for. No, if anything, I think it it's kind of like the Olympics with like hockey, how there's like, they started, you know, sending NHL players again and then they stopped. And because there's like this worry of injury, like I feel like this tournament's a good idea until a star player, like, you know, gets like a high ankle sprain and miss like a bunch of time. Then all of a sudden, like, coaches are going to be like yeah we're not doing that anymore or not coaches but owners are like yeah we don't want to do that anymore because like all these players would definitely pass up whatever this purse is to be healthy in the playoffs and win a championship ring so. yeah and that's exactly the problem right because the guys that are getting paid veteran minimum would work their ass off because they want to earn that purse but any 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 of the top tier guys like probably anyone that's getting paid higher than the mid-level has no incentive to try because it's such a minor purse compared to what they're getting paid i'm willing to bet I just think, make it matter for something or don't fucking do it. Make it matter for playoff seeding. Like, winner of the tournament gets home court in the first round regardless. Yeah. Or that could even be, it could be, if Adam Silver wants to be keep being so fucking obsessed with European soccer, then make whoever wins the tournament get an automatic bid to make the playoffs. That's what they do for Champions League. If you win your league... Or you win the, I can't remember the name of the, the cup, but the cup that's directly under Champions League. But if you win that or win your league, you get an automatic bid for Champions League. You don't have to qualify. That's just how you get in. So if you win the tournament, you automatically get a playoff spot or a spot in the play-in? Yeah. Okay. But then I guess that still feels like, I mean, that would work. You'd get like some of the mid-tier and like lower-tier teams to like really try to win it. But, you know, like your higher-tier teams like the Celtics, the Bucks, etc. would just be like, yeah, we're good. We're probably going to be in the top six. I'm not worried about it. I could complain about this further, but uh, we have a bad habit of not using the wheel on a podcast that the logo is a wheel. So I feel like we should definitely move on, talk about our one segment this week and hit some wheel topics. Sound good to you, Mike? Sounds great. All right. I'm going to get the timer started as I don't even want to bother with the Discord timer because that thing hasn't worked in weeks. I'm just going to use my phone. So you'll have to trust me on this. I trust you. All right, Mike, 20 minutes on the clock. I want to go ahead and round out the last of our free agency talk, unless something major happens like a Dame trade down the line. But I wanted to get the last ounces of free agency gas out of the tank so that we can move on and start having nothing to talk about for the next few months. Can't so... <clears throat> I had us each tackle a league here between the NBA and the NHL 
to go over the offseason and pick some winners and losers or various categories. It's a little loose, so there's there's not hard categories here. There's not hard winners and losers. But Mike, you took the NHL, and I took the NBA. So, do you want to go first, or do you want to kick to start? Uh, I'll see to you whatever you want to do. All right, I'll go ahead and start here. I'm going to list you off some honorable mentions and then hold off of my favorite and least favorite off-season moves. And then uh, we'll go through your NHL stuff and then come back to me and I'll do my... Eh, it's a little too complicated. I'll just go through my honorable mentions and we'll talk and then I'll go through the my my favorite and least favorite. Sound good? Yeah. All right. So my first honorable mention, who came outrageously close to, I think, winning the offseason, but for one issue that we'll get to here in a second is the Dallas Mavericks. I got to tell you, Mike, they kind of had to win me over. Like, re-signing Kyrie after trading a bunch for him, I wasn't super in on the Mavericks offseason going into it like that. But, man, they made a lot of moves that I really like. Do you want to you wanna hear a list here real quick? Yeah, hit me. All right. Dante Axum, who was out of the league, so not, not a huge thing. One year, $2.7 million. Uh, Seth Curry, two years, $9.2 million, which, by the way, when I was doing some research into this, I found an article that gave signing Seth Curry, a catch-and-shoot specialist, on a team with a ball-dominant point forward in Luka and a second ball-dominant point guard in Kyrie, who need catch-and-shoot guys on the outside. They gave the Seth Curry signing an F. An F. They gave it a fucking F. Wild. This? Do you want to put him on blast? Nah, I'm not going to put him on blast, but I'll tell you okay. that there are a bunch of dumb fucks. <laughs> yeah, they gave him an F because he doesn't play defense. It's the NBA in 2023. Who does? <laughs> right? They gave... You see, so you're telling... They, they also, by the way, gave the Kyrie contract a B. Kyrie doesn't play defense. No. All right. So they uh, they trade for Grant Williams in a sign-in trade with the Bird Rights that gave him a four-year, $54 million contract. So that's an average annual value of $13.5 million a year, which is just outside the mid-level, which I think is appropriate for Grant Williams. In that trade, they gave up three seconds, Reggie Bullock, and a 2030 pick swap with the Spurs, which that's really dependent on where Luka is in 2030. If he's still in Dallas, I don't think that's going to be a catastrophic pick swap. But if... Come 2028, 2029, Luka demands out and gets traded to, I don't know, who's a random team that could trade for Luka? The Nets. Mm-hmm. And the bottom falls out on Dallas, that pick swap could be disastrous. Because if you imagine in 2030 that Wimby's entering his prime on a second contract with the Spurs, and they're, you know, out of the lottery, but they have the pick swap with the Mavs, that could be a pretty big get for them. Uh, and then their Dallas's other moves are they had uh, two draft night trades. I really like this one where they move back to 12. They still get Derek Lively, who's going to be a good defensive piece in their backcourt, as well as they dumped the Bertans contract that had two years, 23 million left on it. Uh, his second year is a $16 million player option. But to quote Ryan Rossillo, I think he picks that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also later on traded cash considerations to Sacramento for Rashawn Holmes and pick 24, which turned out to be Oliver Maxine Prosper. Um, So they added 
some more big guy depth after getting rid of Bertans. So, once again, signed Kyrie, three years, $126 million. And the only thing that I think kept them from being my favorite offseason team in the NBA, they signed Matisse Thybul to an offer sheet, but it looks like Portland's going to match it. Now, if they do manage to get Thybul, I think this is my favorite offseason team. I think that they made a ton of really net positive moves and improved their team a lot. Yeah, I uh, I was thinking the same thing about the Thibel part. Like, I remember, I think when we first talked about what the Mavs did, we were both kind of like, eh, I mean, we'll probably get back into the playoffs next year, but how much better are they really? I feel like the Grant Williams trade helps them out, and then if they land Thibel as well, then I actually really like the Mavs. Yeah, there's there's the defense that they didn't get by signing mm-hmm. Seth Curry. I mean, if you if you run out of lineup that has Kyrie, Luka, and Seth Curry, you definitely need some people who can play some lockdown defense and players like Rashawn Holmes and Thibel can be those guys for you. Even Grant Williams can be that guy for you. So I do think that they're approaching a better balance between defense and offense than they had last year, especially after losing some of the guys they did in the Kyrie trade, like Dorian Finney-Smith. Do you think Portland should match that or just let them go? It was three years, 33 million. Yeah, I think, th- I, I think yeah. I would, I mean, it, maybe it's a little bit of an overpay for what Thibel is, but it's not like an outrageous overpay, and you can fit it into your mid-level if you're not a taxpayer. It's also only three years. Yeah, and he's hmm. 24, 25, something like that. So yeah. I think that's a perfectly fine contract. No no strong opinions on that. All right, Mike, the other uh, honorable mention I wanted to hit for my favorite offseason moves. This one's going to be a lot quicker. Uh, I'm going to list off some stuff here, but uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder – as another great offseason. I'm going to, I mean, so they, they picked up Bertans, Oladipo, and a couple of other salary dumps or, or small pieces here and there just to get more picks. But I'm going <clears> to <throat> start reading off draft picks. And all I want you to do is guess when I get to 2026. You can at any time say now, and I'll stop and tell you where I am, Okay. I'll list teams that they have to pick for. The Clippers, the Rockets, their own, the Jazz, Charlotte or Minnesota, whichever pick is better, their own pick, Houston or the Clippers, whichever pick is better, Miami, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Stop. Boston, nope, nope <laughs> Boston or Memphis, Philadelphia, their own pick, the Clippers, Houston, their own pick, Stop. Dallas, okay, there you go, now <laughs> That was the, that was their first pick in the second round of 2026. That is how many picks they have between now and the first pick of the second round of 2026. It is an absurd, absurd bounty of picks. It'll be interesting to see how this works out. Because if this works out really well, this could be like a future model for a team to rebuild. Uh, it also depends on how many of those picks they actually, actually end up making. Who knows, those picks could be used when some star player ends up disgruntled and they feel like they have a shot to bring him in and actually compete. But That uh, has to be the move, right? The move has to be that they're waiting for a player who's who's like a, a good star player to kind of fall into that mold. As much as I hate to say it, I think that there's, there's potential for a lesser Towns trade in there. There's potential for one of the guys from the Magic wanting out. 
stuff, <sighs> stuff falls apart in Dallas and Doncic has enough once out. Maybe Scoot Henderson, if he gets pissed off with losing. I would hate to see Doncic on OKC. Can I say that? That's fine. You can say whatever you want. I They they already have Shea, who's a ball-dominant guard. But he fits mm. so well in that offense with that, his athleticism. I don't know if I want to watch them trade for Luka and have Shea and Luka take turns dribbling there out of the ball. Yeah, I don't like I, I don't like that pairing very much. You got that's a good point. So those are my two honorable mentions from my favorite offseason team. You ready for my favorite offseason team, Mike? Mm-hmm. The Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, popular choice. Popular choice. So I want to start with a complaint here to the entire NBA. All 29 other teams that aren't the Lakers. Austin Reeves signed a four-year, $56.3 million contract. The Lakers have come out and publicly said they would have matched up to a $100 million contract. Oh, my God. No one offered him an offer sheet. There's no harm in doing it because you know the Lakers are going to re-sign him anyways. You could just push the fucking price up. Do people not know that they have to compete with the Lakers to win a championship? Do they think that it's just all 29 other teams but the Lakers are just a segment on the get-up? Is that what they think it is? It is insane to me that no one put an offer sheet on Reeves. We saw how good he is. Even if you overpay, you're at least getting a good player. I mean, fucking Houston couldn't do this. Houston, who paid $80 million to Dylan Brooks, couldn't put in an RFA tender on Austin Reeves, who is better than Dylan Brooks. It is fucking ridiculous that he only got $56 million over four years. Yeah, it was. there was like no talk at all about other teams being interested in him, and then he just re-signed with Lakers. Like, it was wild. Yeah, they could have tendered him up to $128 million. That was the max he could have been offered but no one no one put in shit everyone was just like yeah the lakers are going to re-sign him i'm blown away by how cheap they got austin reeves for so <clears throat> second their their series of re-signing um they re-signed Rui, three years 51 million they re-signed delo two years 37 million uh i'm you know a, a delo detractor but getting uh, I mean, he's overpaid a little bit there, but it's not the worst thing. I mean, it means that they have someone to facilitate their offense so that the burden of that's not on LeBron. And paying extra money to have other people take the weight off of LeBron's shoulders just so that LeBron can make it through the season without injury or without burnout, I think, is worth the price. They also signed Gabe Vincent, three years, $33 million. I like the Vincent deal better. I don't trust Gabe Vincent but at least it's less money per year than D'Lo, because I don't really trust either of those guys. They signed Torian Prince from the Timberwolves, one year, $4.5 million. Torian Prince, for those who don't watch him, which why would you? It's a small market team uh, that their most notable thing they've done in recent memory is trade the entire future of the franchise because owners that can't afford the team wanted them to for Rudy Gobert. But... Uh, Torian Prince is incredibly inconsistent. He disappears for long stretches of time. And I, by long stretches, I don't mean two quarters. I mean a couple weeks at a time. His scoring is just off. But $4.5 million, that's cheap. That's fine. Uh, then we get into their, their depth signing that I like a lot. Guys that might not even make the roster come the 
end of uh, training camp. But Jackson Hayes, two years, 4.6 million. And Cam Reddish, two years, 4.6 million. Both those guys are so insanely cheap. I mean, if the Lakers end up making a move later on, just having the ability to add those guys to a deal just to make salaries match. The Lakers went from being the rap of the any guy can score on any night team last season with players like Reeves and Rui and Malik Beasley and, you know, LeBron and AD and Austin Reeves, like all those guys. It was any of these guys can be the guy on a given night. And they made themselves more of a anyone could go off on any night team. I think Gabe Vincent and Torian Prince are both guys who are going to disappear from time to time. But on a given night, they'll be able to just go wild. So I really like their offseason moves. Yeah, I'm definitely. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you and a lot of what other people are saying. I mean, this is a team that we just saw go all the way to the Western Conference Finals. They kind of like came back to life after the first like majority of that season. They made some good trade moves at the deadline and got it going. And, um, I mean, if I have to guess on the deal contract, I imagine that, you know, Genie Buss was just so impressed with his work ethic, the way he was getting shots up after all those Utah losses. <laughs> that, uh, he's just like, man, I got, I got to give this guy something extra. So, All right, Mike, those are my best teams. Um, we're, we're running a little low on time, so I'm going to hop over and let you talk NHL a little bit. And if we have time at the end, I'll come back and give you my worst team. But let's hear what you got for the NHL, Mike. All right. Uh, let's try to choose wisely since we are running on time. So a couple of teams I did want to mention. Um, these are all most of these are teams that we did not talk about last week. One is I kind of like Columbus, the Columbus Blue Jackets offseason. So obviously they draft Fantilli, who is looks like he's going to slide in as the um, number two center. But what I like about it is that's going to be a really fun line to watch because they're going to have him with twenty year old Kent Johnson who was their fifth overall pick uh, two years ago. And then, or no, I'm sorry, last year, I believe. But he had 40 points in 79 games as a rookie. And then they got uh, this right winger named Kirill Maraschenko, who had his rookie season last year as well. And he put up 21 goals in 59 games. Um, so that's just going to be like a really fun young line to watch. Obviously, they have a question here. Yeah. Do we know Fantilli's playing in the, the league next year? They signed him to his entry-level contract. I'm pretty okay. positive he is, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, or else he wouldn't burn the the time. Uh, and then they traded to get Provorov, but they saved $2 because either the Kings or the – I think technically the Kings retained it because he went from Philly to the Kings, and then the – I don't know. It's, it's a three-way deal. It got confusing. And obviously they traded for D- Damon Severson, so they kind of shored up the blue line some, so poor Elvis Mer- Merlinkus isn't going to face, like, you know – 40 shots a night again but when is uh uh what's his face back from injury um Marinsky. Oh, my guy Marinsky. uh i don't that was a he blew out his knee so i mean that's usually like a year-long process yeah so we probably won't see him again until january because uh, i think he hurt his knee like the second month of the season or something i feel like their comeback for hockey is a little bit longer than other sports though it does seem like it probably because it's just so much. I mean, I mean all sports are shame not, but there's just so much lower body in hockey that determines what you're able to do on the ice. So. Yeah, and also balance and your your knee tendons have a lot to do with balance. So yeah, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think the Blue Jackets are going to be like competing for a cup next year, but I don't know. They, they didn't do anything like reckless, so I kind of I kind of like their off season. And then last week we talked about Chicago, right? Chicago, Chicago. Uh, in passing, not in not passing. Talking, but in passing, yeah. 
And we were both kind of like, I don't really know what they're doing. But after looking into it some more, I kind of like what the Blackhawks did. So obviously they drafted Connor Bedard, who's going to be their best player and top line center. And like, I thought they did some dumb things, but then I looked at the contracts. They're not too bad. Like Hall and Felino, who they both got in that trade, uh, they have Hall, and then Felino they re-signed, but it was just a one-year, $4 million contract. Same thing with Corey Perry, who they got in the trade with the Lightning, just one-year, $4 million. So really all they did was grab some good veterans and former, like, captain-level players to be around, like, their young guys. And then here's, here's my question about the Corey Perry sign. Does this mean the yeah. Blackhawks are going to lose in the Stanley Cup final this year? I don't think so. Their okay. roster is still really bad. Um but, you know, they got Frank Nazar and Oliver Moore in the system who are two projected to be two good centers. Uh, Kevin Korchinski, who you're familiar with, might mm-hmm. be having his rookie year this season. I'm a big fan of his. So they got young players, some good veterans to help them out. And on top what of that, center depth. on top of that, the roster is still pretty bad. They have no goaltenders and they have $17 million in cap space. So they're probably going to end up with a lottery pick again and have money to spend. So, I mean, I think that's pretty good for a, a rebuilding offseason. Yeah, do we know who's supposed to be the top prospect in next year's draft yet? I do not. I yeah. have to look into that. When's the last time a goalie went one overall? Oh, you, I think you'd have to go way, way back. Because I just don't think that's a thing that happens anymore. Yeah, do you know? Do, I, I would be curious. I'd be curious to see that. I'd be curious to see the average draft spot of a goalie. Because I know Spencer Knight went high because he's supposed to be a great prospect. Same thing with Carter Hart. But I do feel like one of the biggest missing pieces for Chicago, I mean, you know, besides having good players, is that they have no goaltending. Um, let me see here. Real quick. I'm just going to check one person, and if that doesn't pan out, then I'll move on. Yeah, even like Martin Brodeur was drafted 20th overall. So I'm honestly... I don't know if Ed Goley has ever gone one. I may have to get back to you next week on that. All right. What's your next team, Mike? Um, these are my like a couple teams where I'm like I don't know if I like what they did. Okay. Uh, so we got got the Panthers, right? Cinderella run. Um, Gudis is gone. Stahl is gone. Mark Stahl. So that's not really much of a loss. They traded out Anthony Duclair. They signed Oliver Ekman Larson one year, two and a half million, which I mean, like a one year low contract deal is not the worst thing. Um, Evan Rodriguez is who they brought in, who was probably why they had to trade out Duclair four years, three million. I mean, I Rodriguez is pretty good. I just think sometimes he gets put in too big of a role. So if he ends up where he's projected to be slotted in the bottom six, I think that's pretty good. And they brought in some other like, bench defensemen like Dmitry Kulikov, Nico Mikola, Mike Riley. All of like one-year deals. I think that's mainly because so Brandon Montour had to have shoulder surgery. Should be back by September. Did you hear about the laundry list of Aaron Ekblad's injuries in the playoffs? No, I didn't. So it came out after the Stanley Cup Finals that he broke his foot in the Boston series. Which notably was the first round? Yes. Uh, And then Going forward in the next, like, 15 games he still played in the playoffs, he dislocated his shoulder twice and had a torn oblique and then still ended up playing 21 minutes in that last game of the Stanley Cup Finals. 
Jesus Christ. So this he is must like have been, o- He must have been so full of painkillers that he could have been wrestling for the WWE. Yeah, so this is a dude who's had bad injuries before. He's getting older. So I don't know what it looks like when he comes back from all of that. And then Kachuk's coming to be come back from a broken sternum. I don't even know how you heal a broken sternum. Yeah, I feel I feel like it would just be like a comically large cast in your upper body. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't hate what they did because they didn't really like commit to a lot of money other than like Rodriguez. But I don't like – and they will have more cap space. They still have 5.63 with Knight currently out in the uh, NHL, like a substance assistance program or whatever it's referred to. So I don't know. Like, what do you, th- you think if I had to ask you how far the Panthers get next year right now, what would you say? First round knocked out in the first. Yeah. Come on. Like let's not pretend that this is a sign that the Panthers are a Stanley cup competitor. They got insanely hot goaltending from their overpaid goalie and a great series of lucky bounces in overtime. It was a lot of fun, and they played out of their minds to get those opportunities, but there was there was unsustainable numbers involved. So no, I don't think that this is a Stanley Cup competitive team. I think that this is a good team that got hot at the right time. Okay. What, and you, what would you guess for how far they get? I think you're probably right. And I actually like to be like realistic i'd probably agree with that um because also the goaltending situation is not great like bob roski came back down to earth so hard in that cup final you have to kind of be worried what next season might look like so yeah and i think first round exit is pretty fair if if kachuk kachuk's 100 percent, maybe he can like heroically get him to the second but yeah i'd, I'd agree so right, Mike, give me uh give me one more team here Gotcha. So my last team are my beloved Colorado Avalanche. And oh, I thought you were gonna say Sabres. <laughs> no, no. Oh, but that does that does remind me the Panthers also signed Rasmus Asplund, who I'm forever a fan of. So one year seven hundred seventy five thousand dollars. If you enter the NHL with the name Rasmus, do you have to do a required stint with the Sabres? Is that how that works? Yes, we were contractually obligated to have all the Rasmus I. Okay. Um so Avs started out good you know they didn't like comfer they didn't overpay to keep him they let they let rodriguez walk lars eller like these are forwards who weren't enough to help them depth wise in the playoffs so i was okay with all that they kept their blue line intact obviously Taves and mccarr in the top line gerard and byron both got extensions great you got your top two pairs not like lockdown but then it comes to like what they brought in to help offensively and they brought in Miles Wood uh, for like six years, 2.5. You can just tell by the contract. He's obviously like a bottom six guy. Jonathan Druin on a one-year, less than a million-dollar deal, bottom six guy. And then they did that trade with Nashville where they sent out Alex Galchenyuk, who doesn't play in the NHL anymore, and got Ryan Johansson, albeit cheap, because Nashville, for some reason, retained $4 million. And that's not enough. <laughs> Like, this team is still once again going to be, with no Landeskog, it's once again going to come down to that top line of McKinnon, Rantanen, and Lekkinen. They're going to be in the same situation they were last year. Like, yeah, if I'm, it, makes you, it makes you wonder, do you think they split up McKinnon and Rantanen now? 
because they both played so well individually when the other was out last season. I mean, they they might have to go a little Oilers and then throw them together when, you know, on the power play, obviously, and then throw them together when they're down late in a game. But, like, if I'm Colorado, I'm picking up the phone and calling Winnipeg and, like, be like, what do you want for Mark Scheifele? How can, like, Scheifele, how can we make this happen? Because if, if they're still thinking they're in their cup-competing window, which I think they are, they're going to have to do some other move because that, I mean, line two, with Ryan, Ryan Johansson as your second-line center already is a little questionable to me, and I think their bottom six is still pretty rough. So Where did Blake Wheeler end up? The Rangers. Oh, interesting. Okay. Like, I thought the Avs might be a little more in play for, like, a Tarasenko or something. Um, well, they still are. Tarasenko hasn't signed yet. That's true. Maybe they could still make a deal there. And, yeah, I was just going into the offseason, they had some cap space. And I was like, they got to rebuild this team, especially knowing for sure we have no SCOG all next year. So I was hoping for a little bit more change in the offensive unit. Um, so I'm not really a fan of their offseason so far. We'll see how it plays out. Oh, yeah, my last... that's, that's what I would say is their their biggest issue isn't who they brought in, it's who they lost, and that's Landis Cog. Yeah, my last point is that I'm going to make a prediction that Patrick Kane's going to end up on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. They just haven't really done much, and I feel like they're waiting to see how his hip surgery goes, and I think with some of the pieces they have, they still think they can compete, so I could see them going out and grabbing them. You think he's one of those guys that'll sign like a one-year deal at the end of his career to go back and finish it with Chicago. I think, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but I'm obviously hoping he signs his last contract and finishes his career in Buffalo where he's from. But Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, as is becoming increasingly tradition, we have gone over time on our first segment. So, uh, and that's the podcast. See you next week. <laughs> So uh, let's move on here. I'll just say that my loser of the offseason in the NBA was the 76ers. All right. Fair. Is there any more team that's more fun to pick on in basketball than the 76ers? Ooh, that is an interesting question. Um, yeah, you might be right. That might be the most fun team to pick on. <laughs> There's not even like a good competitive name coming to mind. Yeah, like everybody hates the Lakers if you're not a Lakers fan. But I feel like people don't sports hate the 76ers. They just like to pick on them for their dysfunctional habits. Oh, the Clippers are fun to pick on, though, speaking of Harden. That is true. But they're fun to pick on because of what they've done, not just because of who they are. That's deep. Taking so long with his damn wheel. Well, I was accidentally copying from the wrong list because I was talking. Oh, so it's my fault now. All right. Got the wheel set up. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven topics this week Ooh. that I'm not going to read off. Let's get them randomly, obviously. Let's spin it. You got anything you're hoping for, Mike? Um, Polinko. The game on the <laughs> yeah, I know, prices, I right? <laughs> All right, Mike. So our first topic today is going to be the NFL offseason headlines. So I got some headlines for you here. Uh, all of them make me laugh, and I would like to go through them one at a time, and we can have a short discussion. I've started my timer, so let's get this going. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have any that you want to throw in, let me know at any point. I don't know if you had any pulled up, but uh, I want to start off with uh, Carson Wentz has been practicing to get back into the league. Do you know who he's been practicing with? I do not. 
John Gruden. <laughs> Can you imagine a more intensely dislikable duo of people than Carson Wentz and John Gruden hanging out? That is, uh, that is something. Like, I we, feel like they had to have just both been at a bar drowning their sorrows, and they, like, looked down at the other end, and were like, oh, hey. We talk a lot about how annoyingly PR-trained all athletes are and that they never say anything. This is, like, the anti-PR training. Like, every PR director would tell both those guys to stay away from the other one. Yeah, that is a match made in heaven if I ever heard one. Or, or maybe they both are like when you when you go out with your fat friend, so that everyone thinks you look skinny by comparison. Mm-hmm. Maybe they both think this guy's so unlikable, I'll have to look likable by comparison. I imagine while they're working out, Gruden's like still wearing a headset and acting like he's calling plays. <laughs> yeah, Carson Wentz never got enough of a rap for being outrageously like cultishly Christian the way that Tim Tebow did. But man, that is not a fun group of people to be around. I bet. Yeah, I didn't even know he was, like, crazy Christian. Yeah, he, he does a bunch of crazy Christian stuff. He's not he's not as public as Tebow is, but he definitely is privately very loud about it. He didn't, like, survive an abortion or whatever Tebow's story was. Yeah, that was such a weird... That was a fucking Super Bowl video or Super Bowl <laughs> commercial. Mike, the next thing I want to do is I'm going to post something in the Discord chat here and uh, in general chat. And I want you to just watch this video real quick, and then we can talk about it. Okay. I didn't even need to watch it. I've seen it. <laughs> okay. So for those of you who can't see our computer screens, uh, it is <coughs> it is Russell Wilson doing the strangest series of workouts to Nipsey Hussle's Grinding All My Life. Yeah. Just, man, it's like... <laughs> It's like when you got a buddy who wants to be the funny guy but isn't funny but tries really hard to be the funny guy, like pre-plans out his bits and everything so that he has them set up. Russell Wilson wants so badly to be cool. Yeah, for those who haven't seen it, he's on. What is that thing he's on? It's like some like white like I don't know, man. Board you like slide across on? Yeah, it's like ice or something. I've never seen it before in my life. Oh, and you're the gym guy, so I figured you would have at least seen some try hard at the gym doing it. Nope, never seen it before in my life. Mm-hmm. it yeah. is he's like sliding with like one leg and like grunting loudly and catching and throwing a football and it's <laughs> he wants so bad to for people to recognize him as having like that mamba mentality work ethic but it just comes across so cringy yeah it's it's like he went to a pr firm and said make people think that i'm like kobe <laughs> and this is the result <laughs> I don't know. This is up there with some of the like more crazy moments, like the story of when they were flying to London and he was like apparently doing high knees and stuff up and up and down the, the aisleway. Or when he was in Seattle after his thumb injury and he was pretending to run up yes. full with the, with a full team. How did you know that was the, that was the next thing I was gonna say? And he was like talking to himself and doing everything. And the people on the broadcast are like, ah, "Look at you know, Russell Wilson just always keeping himself game ready." And it's like that that's weird. I, um, you know how we always give Tomlin credit for us not realizing Antonio Brown was an insane person until he left the uh, Steelers? Mm-hmm. We should really start giving Pete Carroll some credit for making us not realize how unlikable Russell Wilson was until right before he left Seattle. Yeah. I think the last thing I would say about this is um, 
Broncos country. Let's ride. <laughs> Did I tell you that I lost a jersey bet and I have to wear a Russell Wilson jersey every Sunday of the season? Oh, no. Yeah, it's unfortunate. A Broncos one? Yep. Damn. <laughs> it's all right. If I, I, I was just glad that it wasn't a Jimmy Butler jersey. Um, so next up, uh, we're starting to get into the insane off-season hype headlines here. Tony Pollard says that he honestly feels faster after tearing a ligament in his knee, getting a high ankle sprain, and fracturing his tibia. He says that he feels faster than before he got a catastrophic leg injury, not even a year ago. I imagine there's, like, less cartilage or something in there, so he's probably technically lighter. <laughs> it's weighing him down less. You really think that was what was holding Tony Pollard back all this time, was so cartilage? Much, so much damn cartilage in there, if I could just, you know, snap some of, it, some of it out. Tony, we think you'd be the fastest guy in the league if only you had less cartilage in your knee. Yeah, I guess he's uh, he's already hit, um, you know, like, veteran off-season like or uh veteran training camp interview where they're like i'm in the best shape of my life he's, he's already there at 26 yeah i mean that's that's basically the end of your career if you're a running back but yeah he, so he's he's 26 um <laughs> he just got franchise tag and he's coming off a dramatic injury and he feels faster now i feel like to back that up he should have to run a 40 against like Michael Vick. Oh, man, that that's what they should do at the Pro Bowl is just put people up against the fastest people in other position groups. Yeah. Like wouldn't wouldn't you kind of kill to see you could run faster between Lane Johnson and uh Aaron Donald? It's got to be Donald. I have to put heavy money on him. Lane Johnson's like the moving center though. He gets the fuck out there, man. He's he's got he's got good like, you know, lateral movement, right? But vertical, I don't know. I feel, I feel like Aaron Donald just seems – they're both big, but does it, Donald seems a little more um, compact, if you will. Well, yeah, he's like 5'11", right? He's like a bowling ball. He a bowling little, ball with abs. Looks a little more solid. I feel like I'm just going around a way of saying Lane Johnson looks like a fat lineman, which that's not what I mean, <laughs> but it kind of sounds like that's what I'm saying. I still think this is what we should do at the Pro Bowl. But anyways, uh, the next headline I got for you here, Mike, is that Robert Sala says that <clears throat> Brees Hall is already hitting 22 miles per hour on the GPS. Brees Hall might not play week one of the season, and they're saying he's hitting 22 miles per hour. That didn't, is insane. Didn't Reggie Bush hit 25 one time? Not coming off of a knee injury. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. But my point is, you know, hit 26 or don't go bragging about it. <laughs> well, if we're going to go like that, you say Bolt hit 33. Hit 34 or don't brag about it. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's not fair comparison. <laughs> Do you think Robert Sala is going to be a good coach by the time this is all over? This fe Like, reading some of these these quotes that he's had about, like, Brees Hall and stuff, he sounds so panicked. <laughs> he's no, just he's like, like, everyone's great. Everyone's so good at football. It's the best fucking football team in the history of everything. <laughs> Here, Robert, that sounds a lot like your Tony Khan. It, it sounded a lot like my Tony Khan. Um, he was just one of those coaches who, like, every year, we're like, oh, man, like, he's one of the hot, you know, assistants people are going after. So I feel like we're all still telling ourselves Robert Sala is a good coach. And I'll probably hang on 
for at least a couple more seasons. And if they both go really bad, we'll finally be like, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe not. If, if you had to put money on it right now, who do you think will be a better coach in this league? Robert Sala or D'Amico Ryan? Both former defensive coordinators for the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan, who both got head coaching jobs. Where'd D'Amico Ryan end up again? Houston. Houston. I'm going to say D'Amico Ryan, because fuck the Jets. Play the Bills week one, but... Uh, <clears throat> Brees Hall's probably not playing in that game. I hope he continues to increase his speed up to light. As you know, one of my biggest worries with the Bills defense, as it's been for many years now under McDermott, has been getting pressure on the quarterback. And, I mean, if Greg Rousseau could just, like, hit Aaron Rodgers and he turns into dust, (laughs) I would not literally hurt him. That's the joke, people. I don't want you to say, think I'm, like, pulling a bounty gate over here from my basement in Buffalo. Um, I mean, my palatial estate in Buffalo. Um, oh, nice word. But, God, I would really like just to sack him a couple times. He's just going to be sitting there tripping out of his fucking mind with a football <laughs> in his hand. You'll have the time to hit him. All right, Rogers, ready to go? First game as a Jet. He's like, dude. What are, are, wait, what? are all these like, green little people walking around? <laughs> I'm playing hockey? <laughs> I don't know what's going on, man. I imagine Rogers gets ready for games now, and he puts a blindfold on, like sits in complete darkness meditating in the locker room and he would still be cooler than russell wilson (laughs) (laughs) all right can i give you my sure bud headline yeah uh Le'Veon bell on a podcast says he's in the best shape of his life and absolutely would welcome a return to pittsburgh sure bud yeah when no one else wants you you'd take a return anywhere (laughs) Yeah, I would love it if he came out and said Le'Veon Bell is in the best shape of his life and he absolutely will welcome a return to the Rough Riders. The Steelers really went two for two on disgruntled, like, skill position players who they were like, all right, fine, go. Yeah, ironically, yeah. the only guy they held on to long from that era was Big Ben. And that was kind of a, well, you got to do you got to do the honors. He won you two Super Bowls. Yeah. So that's my my sure bet headline. Um can I give you my uh, – well, let me pull this up to make sure. God damn ESPN. All right. Can I can I give you my uh, fortune favors the Brave headline yeah. of the offseason? Uh, report. Tom Brady lost $30 million in collapse of crypto giant FTX. can't see me, but I'm, I'm smiling really wide. <laughs> <laughs> fortune favors the Brave, Matt Damon told us. Damn. That is, that's unfortunate. He's probably still stupid, stinking rich, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just saying, you know, he's lost a lot in the last few years. He doesn't play in the NFL anymore. He lost $30 million. His wife left him. It's, uh, Aww. it's a, a rough stretch of time. Well, maybe you shouldn't kiss your son on the lips, you weirdo. <laughs> Has there been a more enduring legacy to Tom Brady's weirdness than kissing his son on the lips? Like, how did he get away with all the TB12 stuff and talking about, just saying the word pliability a billion times? But it was really, really the uh, the full kissing his son on the lips in a documentary that did it for him. Also, he needs to put on a little face weight because his... His uh, cheeks have become freakishly skinny. Yeah, he's starting to look like the guy from Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, 
So now we're getting into the There Goes Your Career awards. Uh, well, I guess it's just, just one award. Here, let me pull up this to make sure I read it correctly. Uh-oh, somebody said something they shouldn't have, right? No, I w- that, oh, okay. that's not as lighthearted and fun as the uh, reason that <laughs> other people lose their career. Uh, Commander's defensive end, Shaka Tony, suspended for gambling. Man, this gambling has been all over the NFL headlines. Yep. Uh, uh, there goes your career, Tony. Yeah. Wasn't exactly I'm... holding on to a solid roster spot, and then you went and got suspended for gambling. Yeah, it's not worth the hassle to, you know, keep a player that's not exactly uh, high up on the, the depth chart to go yeah, through he, all that. But He, he was a, uh, a special teamer. Mm. Um, I also honorable mention to uh, Detroit Lions defensive back CJ Moore. There goes your career, buddy. Yeah, what's the uh, the deal with that? Because didn't the NFL do like a big thing where they released a statement on their gambling guidelines? Did you get a chance to look at it? Uh, I can pull it up real quick. Yeah, because I know it was kind of people were like had a lot of questions because it felt a little, you know. The, I will uh, point wrong. out that this is this is a league that a lot of the players, every time we have a tie, don't realize you can have a tie in the NFL. So maybe, maybe you know, make the gambling – put signs in every locker room about the gambling policy. Uh, here, little, go ahead. I was going to say, it's just a little – I mean, it's kind of a straw man argument, but, I mean, the NFL has such a deal with FanDuel and every other gambling thing now. It's like plastered all over their product. So it makes them look a little hypocritical if some player is sitting in the locker room and bets on F1 or something and then gets in trouble for it. Yeah. Or like, um, you know, there's, there's, there should be more areas of gray. I like the Calvin Ridley thing is kind of weird because he bet on the Falcons when he wasn't playing for them. But Mm. a players should be able to bet on their own team. What's the downside there? Are you worried that they want to win more when they bet on their own team? Yeah, I mean, you just can't go betting like unders, like you know, like you yeah, can't, don't don't bet your right? own unders. <laughs> like you don't want to get make it look like you're like point shaven or like intentionally taking a knee so you don't go over a certain amount of yardage. Uh, so here here are the gambling guidelines that the NFL reiterated to reporters: one, don't bet on the NFL; two, don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for road games or staying at a team hotel. Three, don't have someone bet for you. Four, don't share team inside information. Five, don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. And six, don't play daily fantasy football. So, don't enter a sports book during the NFL season. Does that also mean don't go on your phone onto a sports book? No, I think it means don't physically enter into a sports book. I think they just okay. don't like the idea of how that looks. The optics wouldn't be great. Got it. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess that's the price you pay if you want to be in the NFL. Well, I mean, that's not the only price you pay. There's also other things. But, I mean, one of the things you got to give up is I can't, you know, gamble on October basketball. And the last thing that I want to hit here is that both DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook came out this week and said that they're holding out for a little while longer. DeAndre Hopkins, I know. Uh, Dalvin Cook. Okay. DeAndre your... Hopkins said that he's hoping another team will enter into the fray to increase his value. And Dalvin Cook says he's holding out until training camp. 
which I think means that no one wants to sign Dalvin Cook. Yeah, he's probably hoping someone goes down in training camp and then people will need a, a running back. I saw how much money he thinks he's going to get if that's part of the reason why he's holding out. Yeah, I know Miami made him an offer, but I'm not sure how much that was. I'm sure it was low, and I think that a lot of these NFL running backs have trouble accepting a low contract. Probably the same thing with Hopkins. I don't think anybody's going to give him the money he wants. I don't get that. Hopkins is still a really good receiver. Yes. Like, if Hopkins hadn't been cut and instead had been a free agent on day one of free agency, he would have gotten paid. I don't know why this has happened like it has. Yeah, the disaster... uh, Oh, sorry. With being cut. I was just going to say, the disaster that was the Arizona Cardinals last season has kind of, like, left a stain on him that's not entirely fair. Yeah, I mean... That entire, like, every part of that organization that seems like a good player feels like it's been devalued. Like, Kyler had, like, a stretch a couple seasons ago where he was an MVP candidate early in the season. Like, his MVP odds skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. But now it's, like, the whole Call of Duty thing. And, like, have we have we not considered that maybe Cliff Kingsbury was just a bad coach? I feel like we've all considered it now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... I, I didn't know why coming into the league we all thought he was going to be a great coach. Yeah, didn't he get fired and then got hired into the NFL? Yeah, like his coaching record wasn't anything to write home about in college. He was just thought of as like this offensive like guru. And it's like, okay, then hire him as your offensive coordinator. Give that a try before we all just say, oh, yeah, he's going to be a great head coach. A lot of times good coordinators don't even – like maybe it's just one of those things where people think, oh, good coordinators are going to make good coaches. It's like, no, a good coordinator could be really good at coaching that half of the ball and calling plays on that half of the ball. But when it comes to overseeing everything, or, you know, it might not work out. There's a crazy thought. Just to go back to our Robert Sala conversation. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of examples of that. I mean, look at all of the um, Belichick coaching tree. Yeah. All right, Mike, that's our time. Did you have any final thoughts on offseason headlines for the NFL? No, I think we covered a lot, and I've been so entrenched in NBA and NHL lately. Yeah. All right, let's spin. Say it with me. The wheel. Uh, wheel of money. <laughs> uh, so it landed between two, which I didn't know was a thing that happened here. A digital so, spinner? How is that possible? I don't know. Do you want me to respin, or do you want me to, or do you want to just pick from the two it landed on? Respin. Okay. You can get a new wheel app. It's a joke. I didn't know that was possible. It gave me both options after it landed, too. Oh, well, it landed on one of them anyways. It is time to choose Adam's hockey team for the 24-25 series series season. Wow. Now, there's some important context to be made here before we start the timer. I picked up hockey a few years ago with you being my best friend and all and I have watched a shitload of hockey in the last few seasons but I didn't come in with any fandom and it does feel like I've been missing something now I've been very hesitant to commit to a franchise as I am coming into hockey as a Commanders fan and a Timberwolves fan and therefore I am afraid to sign my name to any franchise so I found a loophole which is where I will pick a team for a season instead of picking a team forever. So, I thought, 
I'll give you a couple teams I'm thinking about, and maybe you could pitch me a couple of teams, and we'll see where we land. But at the end of the segment, I have to put in my vote for who my team will be for the 24-25 NHL season. Sound like a plan, Mike? Yeah, I also feel like another level of context is that you like were kind of a military brat growing up, so you moved around a lot. So it's not like you have like a state you hold like in really high regard. Well, I also lived a lot of my life in Texas and Virginia, so not a lot of hockey options there. True. Stars are caps. I mean, <laughs> but you like, I know you said before you like do not like the Capitals. Well, I, I've come around on the Capitals because I like Ovechkin so damn much, but the problem with the Capitals is I'm getting in too late, A, and B, the stink of the, the commanders is kind of fading as we're seeing the Dan Snyder era come to an end. But for so long, the commanders gave me such a bad rub that I couldn't root for other DC teams. So it wasn't the Capitals' fault. It was the commanders' fault. But I wanted failure in DC because of the commanders. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be offensive, but I feel like when we lived up in Northern Virginia, I ran across a lot of, you know, fuckboy looking dudes who were Caps fans so a lot of fair weather fans but that was right after they won the cup yeah, that's true it was right after they won the cup all right let me get the timer started here since we're already doing the segment I will go first and allow you time to think if you want to pitch any teams to me I'll give you two teams I'm thinking about and one team that's on the verge of my mind and some some points in their favor okay so first off the team that feels the most obvious to me is the New Jersey Devils. Now, I know what you're saying. Adam, you don't live in New Jersey. Why would that team be the most obvious? Well, simple, given the context that I just provided. The owner is saving my football team from Dan Snyder. That's really the core, right? Like, I feel like I owe him something. I know I don't. He's acquiring an extremely valuable franchise that is going to be at the cheapest that it's going to be from here until the end of the NFL because of the value is so diminished by how bad the team's been and how bad attendance has been because Dan Snyder is a horrible owner. So his reward is that he's going to go from being a billionaire to being a richer billionaire in the future. But the other point in the devil's favor is that they're a very young and very fun team with a lot of their best talent locked down for a long time. We have players like, uh, I almost said Jack Eichel. (laughs) Um, now I can't get Eichel out of my head. What's his last name? Uh, Hughes. Hughes. Jack Hughes. You got Jack Hughes locked down for a long time. Uh, I know he's not as as young, but you have um, Timo Meyer locked down for a long time. You got some players on the blue line um, that I like. You have Jasper Bratt. You have Akira Schmidt. Like there's There's people to like on that team that are young and have contract length. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Lindy Ruff, but that's just because all hockey coaches look upset and like they live in a basement in like northern Florida. So it's hard to like those guys. Uh, The other team that is is in strong contention early on here is the Seattle Kraken. Now, the reason for this is because they overlap really well with when I started watching hockey. I would say I just started to get a grasp on the sport when the Kraken came into the league, and I could really get on the ground floor still. I mean, I know they had a little bit of a run this year in the playoffs, but they don't have a lot to coalesce around. You're talking 
about a team that's, you know, the joke is that they're made out of second line. So there's not, it's not like you're coming in on Tampa right now where they have a ton of dudes who are like long-term with the franchise and you can really like, but you haven't been there for their whole career. Really the only dudes who I think of as like, wow, this guy, this guy's going to be here for a long time are like Vince Dunn, Matty Berniers, and um, Shane Wright. <laughs> Everyone else, it's, you know, they're, they're for the most part guys who came in in the expansion and they're older pieces or, or players that are further down the line that can get traded out. So that feels like a team where I could still get in on what can be considered the ground floor and arguably top five jerseys in the league. Not enough teal in professional sports. More of a seafoam green, really. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I guess this is the podcast you come to when you have hard opinions on what colors are what. Yes. The team on the outside looking in, just to, for the, the local effect, for a team that I can see every week if I want to, would be the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, problematic franchise right now, mainly due to the scandals that they had popped up during their cup runs in the past with sexual assault that was obviously swept under the rug. Um, that being said, a lot of those guys aren't around anymore. A few are. So that's enough to kind of keep me away. Uh, but they're a local team, and they just brought in what's supposed to be a generational talent in Connor Bedard. So, Mike, did you have any teams you want to pitch, or you just want to talk about those three teams? Obviously, I'm always pitching the Buffalo Sabres to anybody who would like to join the bandwagon as we continue to rise back up from the ashes like a beautiful blue and gold phoenix. Uh, and who, who uh, out of the uh, the teams I named, um, where did the Sabres finish in playoff contention compared to those? Well, higher than the Blackhawks. <laughs> I would say we they were, were tied with the Blackhawks. We were a point out of the playoffs. But did, how many playoff games does that mean you played? Oh, don't, whatever. I, 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 you know what? Erroneous. Erroneous on all counts. <laughs> kangaroo court. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling kangaroo court. It's a kangaroo court. <laughs> all right, Mike, let me hear, let me hear your, your full Sabres pitch here. They're young. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're fun. They have a lot of awesome young players. It's a great fan base. You know, we're very accepting. Okay. And we were literally called the city of good neighbors. Mm, I'm pretty sure that that's Philly. Uh, that's a, I think Philly's the complete opposite. <laughs> um, and like on top of that, pick a team, which you have one on here in Seattle, obviously. Pick a team that's never won a cup before. Then you can be a part of that. You can be a part of history. The very first cup ever. Plus, you're already going to pick a team that's coached by Lindy Ruff, a former Sabres coach. I mean, I feel like you're already partway there. Okay, Tage Thompson, Jack Quinn. I mean, all these Matt Savoy, all these guys we got coming up. I mean, this is a fun, you know, oh my God, Rasmus Dahlin, Owen freaking Power. Like, how could you, our black and red third jerseys are the best jerseys in all of the, like, sports. Okay. <laughs> Do I need to say more? Uh, I will say that I wouldn't put my eggs in the, you could be there for the first cup basket. Not a great history in that city of winning championships. But you could be here for the first one. <laughs> if that ever comes, that's the problem. It will come, Adam. <laughs> Tell that to everyone who was watching the Bills in the 90s. Murphy's Law, man. <laughs> is, that that your, 
That was my Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, is that your McConaughey? Yeah. I love the idea of him being like regular stoner-ass Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar. Yeah. <laughs> just getting getting high and going, it's just Murphy's Law, man. This little maneuver is going to cost us 20 years. That's what I love about 18-year-olds. I keep getting older, but they stay the same age. He's just like on the other side of the bookcase slamming on. He's like, oh, come on, man. This is a bummer. <laughs> anyway. That guy was in True Detective. Yeah. Can I, uh, can I give you some, some long shots that have also... Uh, tickled my fancy recently. Yes. <clears throat> so, if we're going into the category of teams that were in and then suddenly out, uh, Detroit, that was one of those. I like their jerseys. Original six team. A lot of fun to root for the history. Supposed to have a plan. But I gotta tell you, over the last season or so, really think Detroit doesn't have any fucking plan. Yeah, it's just keep signing players every off season and then somehow still have a crap load of cap space. <laughs> they, they seem like they're just throwing darts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another team that at one point was in and is now on the way out is the Minnesota wild. That was the Minnesota collect or connection going Timberwolves wild. Uh, love me some Kirill Kaprizov, but they lost Kevin Fiala, who I would say is my second, was my second favorite player on that team. And they are, entrapped in such cap hell right now that it's gonna if I get in on the ground floor I guess it's not the ground floor if I get in on Minnesota now it's such an uphill battle to get to a place where I can believe in them yeah they've done nothing this offseason because they have no money to do anything yeah so. I remember at the end of the season when they just kept taking on contracts because they were like well this is the last time we can do this so we might as well do it now yeah um a team team's kind of floating around the edge there floating around the the thought bubble uh the la kings now the la kings and the seattle kraken share a very similar problem that i haven't brought up yet mike do you know what that problem is uh west coast so the time difference west coast so the time difference i am not a night owl i do not stay up late i go to bed very early like an 80 year old man so i don't want to stay up for a 10 o'clock puck drop that is miserably late for me well, it would only be like a 9 o'clock puck drop for you. Uh, whatever. It's still late as hell. I mean, the game's still getting over at 11 o'clock, which is later than I stay up. So that makes that makes the West Coast rooting interest a little hard. But they, they've locked down their youth. They have uh, – I like their jerseys a lot when they're not wearing the stupid tinfoil helmets. And – it's fun to root for any team in LA, you know? They have history. They got they got like the Gretzky years. They were cup competitive a while back. Argue they're cup competitive now. Yeah, argue they they're either are cup competitive now or approaching it. Also, to go back to my Minnesota Wild point, they have Kevin Fiala. <laughs> so um, go ahead. I was gonna say I, I get I guess I can get your uh time difference thing. For me, I live on the East Coast and like one of my biggest kinks is is West Coast hockey because I love like I love being up at like twelve thirty at night watching a hockey game. <laughs> I don't know why, I just like it. Uh, but also the Devils, their games most of their games are going to start at six. So I know. Are you going to be, are you gonna be at work by then? At six? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to work too early? <laughs> I, I I get out of work at four o'clock. 
Oh, wow. Okay, then yeah. Uh, <laughs> am I going to be out of work by six? What fucking kind of question is that? Um, another another West Coast team on the edge that I just, I, I would feel bad if I didn't mention. The Anaheim Ducks, uh, dog shit team. Horrible last year. Bad draft this year. But fuck, man. That there's there's so many fun pieces on that team. Yeah, and there's so so many fun names. Trevor Zegris, that's fun to say. <laughs> my, my boy Troy Terry, uh, McTavish is fun to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, just bad franchise. They they have the third jerseys this year that are that have the Mighty Duck logo on it, so that's always fun. But also West Coast hockey. That one's that one's probably kicked out of the running, but I did feel like I had to mention it. Yeah. That's it. Would be easier to get in on that if you felt like the organization had an idea of what they were doing, but it doesn't feel like it. No. So is it basically uh, down to New Jersey, Seattle, and Chicago? Um, I could be talking to the to the Sabers. See. Well, there's also you know not to get all mushy in our our sports podcast, but there's also an element to it that I'm already rooting for the Sabers because I want them to do good for you. Right. Like so it's not not that hard of a jump to make. Yeah, I mean, if I I root for the Timberwolves, if I had a bas- if I didn't have a basketball team, I'd be a Timberwolves fan. I mean, fucking Anthony I Edwards. I wouldn't add myself to that list. That's not a fun list to be on. I mean, Anthony <laughs> Edwards, yes, but also Rudy Gobert, Flomo, my boy Nas Reed. Yeah, you must have been stoked when they re-signed him. <laughs> I'm so happy. There's a lot of players on the two goals that I like. It's kind of funny because a lot of them, like outside of Slomo, are like your bench players. So it'd always be fun to see. Well. You like Jaden McDaniels, don't you? Hell yeah. Yeah, he's not a bench player. That's a starter. Uh, what's his face that you guys traded to um, the Lakers? Uh, Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt, yeah. yeah. Well, he's One not there year. anymore. No. Where'd he end up? He's on the Lakers. Not the point. Uh, back to hockey. <laughs> the Sabres are a really good bet, but I understand, you know, if you want to branch out on your own, be independent, do your own thing. Of the three you've listed, from an overall team standpoint, I like the Devils the best. Uh, Chicago's biggest thing is obviously you can go to like a lot of games, and but even though tickets are probably crazy now because of Bedard, but Bedard's also like the biggest selling point of picking Chicago. Yeah, and that was uh, after after the draft lottery when Chicago got number one tickets shot up i think that it was season tickets went up by like a thousand percent or something like that like they instantly i mean it's such a good hockey city right like oh yeah that there was a long time where it was like the most profitable hockey market in the united states and as soon as you give people in chicago a reason they will buy hockey tickets and bedard was that reason that's another thing that goes for chicago it's definitely the best hockey town of the three you wouldn't say Buffalo? I was talking about your other thing you listed. Oh, yeah. Bu- Buffalo's Buffalo, a damn good hockey town. Oh, it's a great hockey town. I mean, sometimes, you know, fans can get a little passionate and say mean things on Twitter. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and you got to be like, sell down, bud. Sell down. Take about 10 20% off there. Uh, but Chicago's also a great hockey town. New Jersey's not that bad. But it's, it's, it's still, it is the only good thing i like about new jersey no offense to our new jerseyans is like the sopranos took place there <laughs> yeah you know so uh seattle i don't know why that team just doesn't 
I mean, they're a fun team in that they're like the Island of Misfit Toys, but they're just not that sexy of a team to me. They're not that sexy, but fuck, do I like their uniforms. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, li- I really I like, like their uniforms. I like their home. Their away doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, I mean, their home uniforms, but I don't really like anyone's aways that much. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, because they're all just predominantly white. Just like uh, the podcasting sphere. Dang. <laughs> That's right. I'm calling us out. I know. <laughs> um, catching strays out here today. I really can't make up my mind on this. I would say the two I'm most between are the Kraken and uh, the Sabres more than anything else. Okay. There's something about the Devils that just doesn't doesn't sit right with me. I couldn't tell you why. I I, I really don't know why. It all, I, I maybe I, I feel like trapped. It's like it's like I got someone pregnant and now I have to marry them. Yeah. Like that's the way it feels with the Devils just because uh Josh Harris is coming in to buy the Commanders. Right. And so like I feel cornered and I want out. <laughs> right. Like it wasn't really up to you. Yeah. Know? All right. So if we'll, we'll eliminate the Devils. Yeah, eliminate the Devils. Um Chicago, while it would feel the most organic, I just can't get over the sexual assault stuff, man. Also fair. Seattle, or I mean, both of those are ground floor. Well, not Buffalo's not ground floor, but we've never won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and I, it, it's it's more ground floor than hopping on with some of the other teams. Yes, exactly, because it's like a team that's on the rise after what felt like a never-ending dark time in a rebuild um, and some cranky-ass kid from Boston. Um... I will say that I feel like I'm one year late on getting in on, like, the true ground floor with Seattle. Yeah. But I would still be getting in before Shane Wright gets the real call-up. True. Before that team. Uh, that team's so weird. <laughs> you, it's it's, like, you, you just got to, like, close your eyes and squint and look at Matty Berniers and Shane Wright. Yeah, it is. It's like Matty Berniers and Shane Wright and then a bunch of dude in their mid to late 20s. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's – and, like, you know, Philip Grubauer bounced back, but it's still, like, you, you really just have to, like, put on horse blinders to only see the young guys. I don't know if it's a great hockey city, but Seattle's a pretty passionate sports city. They uh, they had a pretty good pretty good buy rate last year when yeah. it came to tickets, but it, I don't think that I'm going to be going to games when Seattle comes into town and running into other Seattle fans. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I think they sold out. They're, like – season tickets for their first season i remember that coming across the newswire yeah that i mean that that city's so starved to have an 82 game season yeah after the supersonics up and moved so i can i can see why it it turned around so well like that also Mm -hmm. any place north of the mason dixon line tends to do pretty well with hockey tickets just the civil war had to go and ruin hockey in the south where is the mason dixon line on the west coast (laughs) The middle of California, I guess. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. it extended that far. I yeah. just know. <laughs> you, remember, you remember Rocky Balboa, the movie Rocky Balboa? You ever mm. see that movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Rocky Six. Oh, that one. Yeah. It's yeah. one with uh, yeah, like his son. Yeah, his son. Yeah. The guy he fights in that movie is named Mason the Line Dixon. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Hockey teams. You're down to Seattle in Buffalo. I mean, I'm, oh, I'm too I'm just too check biased. the timer. We're in the last two minutes. <laughs> two minutes? I, I'm too biased to, to weigh in at this point because obviously you know what I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm so caught between these two because I do – I like – part of it also is that you want something that is organic, and I organically came about 
Buffalo more than Seattle. Seattle is a choice of convenience because both Seattle and I got into hockey at the same time. You become a Sabres fan, I'll buy you a jersey as a present. There's also that. Do I get to pick the jersey, or are you just going to buy me a random jersey? I was going to let you pick the jersey. Okay. (laughs) Also, I'm going to feel like I need to be a a Sabres fan forever. (laughs) I'm watching you in. Yeah. Um, Also, while you're getting in on a young team that's on the rise, there's a little bit of a ground floor aspect, we also have the history. The French Connection, Dominic Hasek. The dominator. Yeah, but see, that's the other problem. I don't know what any of the fuck that means. <laughs> I don't know what the French Connection is besides a movie. That's a movie? That's French Dispatch. Duh. No, the French Connection's a movie. That's where they got the name for the line. So Gilbert Pro, Rick Martin, and Rennie Robert. They were like a super like dominant line we had uh, in the 70s and a little bit of the yeah. 80s. They, they named it because of the movie that came out in 1971, by the way. <laughs> also because they were all French-Canadian. It's got Gene Hackman in it. Really? Yeah. Huh. I've never heard of this movie. I, I still believe it doesn't exist, and you're making this all up. <laughs> it's uh, it's directed by William Friedkin, the same guy that directed The Exorcist. Huh. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know this. <laughs> I didn't. I had no idea. I had uh, absolutely no idea. Uh, he also directed Cruising with Al Pacino. Wow. Yeah, that's mainly why I brought it up. Uh, all right, so we're out of time, so I guess oh. I have to pick a team. You do. Uh, fuck it. I'll go Sabres. The, 20, <laughs> the, the 23-24 season, I am going to be a Buffalo Sabres fan. All right. Join the bandwagon. Let's go. It's going to be a great right. year. Great right, year, Mike, Adam. That is, uh, we got to get the fuck out of here. That's it. That's it for our, our podcast today. Do you have uh, any closing thoughts or any plugs or anything that you wanted people to check out, look into, watch? Maybe the French Connection. Your movie <laughs> of the week this week is the French Connection. I would expect a full report next week. Uh, at Town Alone, Mike, always go to the website because it's amazing. And this weekend, for our pro wrestling fans, we will be dropping the first uh, edition of Faction Files. Right, and I am at Talent Alone Adam uh, on not only Twitter, Mike, but Instagram and Threads. I thought you were gonna say TikTok. <laughs> no, haven't made a TikTok, but I did make a Threads account. So follow us on there. Uh, occasional tweets, but all the content comes out through that. And sometimes I have thoughts about pro wrestling that uh, I don't want to text you, so I just tweet them. I didn't know this. I'll have to check your Twitter more often. Well, you have to check my Threads. What the fuck's a Thread? <laughs> really? I don't know what threads is. I'm sorry. All right. We'll talk about this offline. All right. <laughs>